Thank you, Hunter, for leading us this morning. I'm thankful to be here. If you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter number 2, and today we're talking about joy. And uh, I'm excited again uh, for Christmas season. So thankful for Jesus Christ. You know, it's exciting this time of year is, uh, is, is again, celebrating Christ. Uh, need to do that 365 days a year, obviously. But there's just something about that Christmas season that's super special. And, uh, and so I'm thankful for this day. Always excited to see all the faces. In fact, this morning, uh, we have one of our own Brittany Beagle back from Colorado. And uh, I guess this will be the last time we call her Brittany Beagle. But uh, that, it, here, anyways, March is coming soon, and so uh, uh, she's in Colorado now, but she used to do our moments around Morningside, so thankful for her. Good to see her this morning, and uh, I'm thankful. Joy, Luke chapter number 2. So I was thinking about this text of Scripture, and I was thinking about Christmas season, and, uh, and, I, and I heard a story, and uh, it was a story about this little boy that was in church, and, and he was uh, sitting there in a second grade class, and he was listening to his teacher, and his teacher was telling him about the prophets of Baal, right, uh, in the Old Testament. And he was talking about Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and he said, you know, the prophets of Baal, they built this altar, and they called on their God, and, and, and there was no answer. And then it was Elijah's turn, right, in the story. We read it. And, uh, and it was Elijah's turn, and, and when Elijah... Uh, uh, had the altar built, he had them douse it with water. He poured water all over the altar. And, and the teacher said, why, why did he do that? And there was a little boy, he was like, he was like, oh, oh, oh. And, uh, and he was so excited he had the answer. And uh, so the teacher said, well, why did he do that? And, uh, and that little boy said, so he can make some gravy. And uh, <laughs> that's not the answer, obviously. Uh, some of you are saying, that's not the answer. But uh, that's not the answer. Uh, he had missed it. And I was thinking about Christmas season, and you know, this Christmas season, I think about what it's all about, and I think there's a lot of people missing the Christmas season. I think there's a lot of people that miss the Christmas just because you have a tree, and just because you have presents, and just because you have lights, and just because there are songs that are being sung doesn't mean that you've got the answer. And this morning, I pray that we would understand what Christmas season is all about. It's all about Jesus Christ. You know, you think about Christmas season, it's interesting when you look around and listen and pay attention. Do you know that of the top ten songs that are written out there about Christmas, not a single one includes Jesus Christ? Of the top ten movies that are watched every single year, not a single one is about Jesus Christ. You know, this whole Christmas season has become something almost like a birthday. Imagine a birthday party for little Billy, where we have a birthday party, and we all go down to the CMX, and we rent out the theater, and we bring our balloons, and we bring all of our, all of our cakes, and we are gathering together, and all of a sudden, we look around, and we say, well, where's Billy? And somebody says, well, man, Billy would ruin the party. And that's kind of what Christmas has become. We're missing out on what it's all about. It's all about Jesus Christ. You know, when we hear Jesus is the reason for the season, that is not just a cliche. That is the absolute truth. Jesus Christ is the reason for 
the season. Luke chapter number 2, we'll read the story beginning from verse number 1. And the Bible says this, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because... He was of the house and family of David in order to register along with Mary who was engaged to him and was with child. Now while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and, and, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David... There's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When you're talking about Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the source of joy this morning. He is the source of joy and there's such a difference. There's a big difference between joy and happiness. You know, a lot of times we use them synonymously uh, as though they're one and the same, when the fact of the matter is joy and happiness are not one and the same. Without Jesus Christ, there is no joy. In fact, when you're talking about happiness, happiness is dependent. It's a kind of like a, a victim of circumstance. In other words, happiness is dependent upon my happenings around me. It happens, where do I find myself? I'm not happy about a lot of things that take place, but joy is an inside job. When you're talking about joy, in fact, the Bible says rejoice always over in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse number 16, to rejoice always. James says it like this in James chapter number 1 and in verse number 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. In other words, when you look at Scripture, the Bible says to rejoice. When you're talking about to have joy, joy is a choice. To rejoice is a choice. And joy is this just, I, I think of joy when I was thinking about this subject of joy. What is joy? It's, 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 it's like a special manifestation of the presence of God in one of his children's life. Joy. I mean, this week, it, it's interesting. This week we had the privilege to be able to go around town and we would sing these Christmas carols. And, and we went Christmas caroling, went to several different homes. And, and, and when we went to the homes of these people, there were circumstances in their lives that weren't happy. But yet every single one of them, when you walked into their presence, you could experience the joy of the Lord right there in the midst of their life. In the middle of difficult days, that's the joy of Christmas. That's the joy of the Lord. And when you're talking about the subject of joy, joy is something that Jesus Christ himself desires for you, and he desires for me. In other words, joy is, is, is again, the presence of God in your life in such a way that, 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 that I can sing songs even in the night, that I can dance even when it rains in my life. The joy of 
the Lord. He desires that for you, and he desires that for me. Why? Because we live life in a broken world. But he says, I'm never going to leave you, and I'm never going to forsake you. And I want you to experience joy. In fact, he says it like this in John chapter 17 and verse number 13. John chapter 17 and in verse number 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. In other words, I want you to experience joy. Why would he want us to experience joy? Well, I think there's several reasons. When you're talking about uh, the joy of the Lord, why would he say, man, I I want you to experience joy in this world? Well, I think, uh, again, when you're looking at it, uh, uh, not to be exhaustive, but I think one of the reasons why he wants us as believers, as his children, to experience his joy uh, uh, is is, is for our witness. When you're talking about uh, uh, our obligation, responsibility, and privilege as one of his children. He says, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when you're talking about being a witness of His, wouldn't it be something if there was no joy? In other words, if I were just a victim of circumstance, and I would tell you, man, let me tell, let me tell you the difference. God made them all alive. And, and, and you look so sour, and there weren't no joy in your life. People would look, and they would say, man, I don't want whatever you've got. But God says, but, but, but listen, you abide in me, and I'll abide in you. And come what may, you will experience my joy, and my joy will shine so brightly that others will see your life and say, man, what's different about this person? And then you can say, Jesus Christ is my joy. It affects <clears throat> our witness. But it doesn't just affect our witness, it affects our work and how we go about doing what we do. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and in verse number 10, for we're God's workmanship. We're his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for the works that he's prepared for us in advance. And when you're talking about serving the Lord God Almighty in the work that we're called to do, sometimes it gets long. Sometimes it's thankless. Sometimes it's just unseen. And, and, and there are difficult moments. But in the midst of it, we still can experience his joy. I've heard it said like this before. <clears throat> As a Christian, as a child of God, although there may be times when we get tired in the work, we don't grow tired of the work. Why is that? Because it's as Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, we have to be careful because sometimes if we're not careful, what we do is we take our eyes off of Jesus Christ and we can forfeit some of the blessings in our life as believers. And one of those blessings in our life as believers is this joy that we're talking about today. Joy is not automatic. It's available, but it's not automatic. The peace of God, uh, it's available, but it's not automatic. It's about perspective as a believer. And so this subject of joy, uh, like for example, when you're talking about how does it affect and impact our work? Well, we know another story and scripture that we can look to, the story of Martha. Remember Martha and Mary, the two sisters, and Jesus Christ comes in, and, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ and just loving him, an intimate moment with her Savior. And Martha, rather than experiencing the joy of the Lord, she started saying, man, I'm really ticked off because my sister's hanging out, and I'm doing all the work around this place. And if you're not careful, 
you can begin to look at yourself and feel sorry for yourself. But again, Nehemiah, it was Nehemiah that said, when he had the daunting task of leading God's people to rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem, you go back and read the story, they were collapsed, they were dilapidated. And Nehemiah had the privilege of leading God's people to rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem. And it's in the midst of that story that he says, man, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so it impacts how we work while we're doing what we're doing. But I'll tell you another thing that joy does. It impacts our worship. It impacts our worship. The Bible says in Psalm number 100, over in Psalm 100, verses 1 and 2, uh, uh, the Bible says it like this, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, listen, when you're talking about joy, joy impacts our worship. You know, it, it's, it's, it's not about... <clears throat> when you're talking about worship, it's not about how we sound. That's not it. He doesn't say, man, if you don't have a good voice, don't sing. No, 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 that's not it. He puts a song in your heart, and we sing. And it's not about the sound, but it's about having joy in my heart. I mean, I mean it does matter, our approach in worship. He says, I want you to sing joyfully. Come into my presence with joy. That's, 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 he's, he's asking us. Imagine if every time you went into the presence of your bride or your husband, it was doom and gloom. Mm, just happy to be here, honey. <laughs> it matters how you approach. And so it does as a believer. Joy. Come into my presence with joy. <clears throat> Good news. The angel said, I have good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You know, this morning I was, I was just thinking about the subject of joy. And, and I wonder how many people don't even realize what they're missing. And I've been in church all my life. I, I, I know joy to the world. <laughs> but do you know Jesus? Because he's the source of joy. And just because you know about him, do you know him? He is my joy. He is my peace. Do you know joy this morning? Do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? You know, there were many people, when you're looking at the story who missed out on the joy of Christmas. They missed out on Jesus of Christmas. And I think that the same reason they missed out on the joy of Christmas, on Jesus of Christmas, is the same reason why a lot of folks today miss out on what this is all about. <clears throat> Matthew 2 goes on with the story. In Matthew chapter number 2, verses 1 and following. I've read from Luke. We're going to go to Matthew and stay there for just a minute. So the Bible says it like this. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. 
Now gathering together all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. And then it goes on from there as the story continues to Unfold, but I want you. To, I wanted today to talk just about Herod. When you're talking about Herod, in verse number 16, when Herod saw that he'd been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all of its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. And today, when you're talking about this story of what was taking place, it's an interesting story. So. All of a sudden, these magi, these wise men that we call them, they were coming over there to worship the one who had been born. Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? And you had King Herod who was there, and King Herod got word that there was a group of people. We're not talking about three little men sitting on three little camels bringing three little gifts over there, three types of gifts, perhaps a lot of folks coming to town such that all of Jerusalem was troubled that, man, who are these people and where are they coming from? And the word got out, and it came back to the king. And the king, Herod, said, man, who is he? Who is he has been born? King of the Jews, where is he? What do you mean, king of the Jews? I am the king. But he doesn't say that. He says, hey, hey go, go and find the place where he's been born and come back and let me know. And, wh and why would he do that? Well, because this one is a threat to my throne. I'm the king. It's my life. It's my world. And I don't have room for somebody else, and I'm going to get rid of him. And that was King's Her King Herod's heart towards Jesus Christ. And I think about people today, and although we get together and we like to watch all of the silly stories about Christmas time, there are many that, man, I'll even, I'll even listen to the story of the baby that was born in a little manger. But when it comes to him laying down his life on the cross and shedding his blood for my sin and wanting to be my Lord, that's a different story. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And I just don't have time or the place for somebody else to sit on the throne of my heart. That was Herod's position, and that's the position that many take today. Romans chapter number 10, verse number 9, the Bible says it like this in Romans chapter 10 <clears throat> and in verse number 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, Jesus Christ isn't just a Savior. He's Lord, and he wants to be your Lord. And there's a lot of folks that are scared because, man, I mean, if he becomes my Lord, what does that mean for me? And I'll tell you what that means for you. You'll experience an abundant life like you could never plan out for yourself. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. 
You get on board my plan. You let me be God in your life, and you will experience joy. <clears throat> and this morning, I don't know where you are, but maybe you're here, and you have the same struggle as old Herod had back in the Gospel of Matthew. You know, it's, it's about lordship. It's about coming to his word and recognizing his word and not taking the word of God and saying, yeah, but, I, I mean, I believe that, but, and putting a but there and not surrendering yourself to his lordship. He wants to be lord of your life today. But he loves you, and he has an amazing plan for you. <clears throat> Herod missed out. The religious leaders, many missed out. When you're looking at the story that I just read in Matthew's gospel, down there in verses number 6 and 7, when Herod asked these religious leaders, he said, hey, where, where, is the one, where is the one that's been born king of the Jews? What does the scripture say? And the religious leaders were able to say, hey, this is what, this is what scripture says. Let me tell you all about what scripture says. We got the answer. We were raised in church. I know what the Bible says. I've got the answer for you. And yet... It was a silent night, and it was a lonely night when that baby was born. Oh, I know, I know the answer. But I'm just indifferent. I'm just indifferent. When you're talking about these people, oh, they were, they were content with their religion. There were many people that were content with religion, but they missed out on a relationship. And there's people today content with religion, I'm just content with going to church, listening to a sermon, singing a few songs, going home, and doing it again and again and again and again. My religion takes care of my itch. And you miss out on a relationship. These people, when Jesus Christ was born, that missed out, the religious people were the same religious people that when Jesus, several years later, went back to minister, he was not able to do anything among them. Why? Because they were so familiar with Jesus, and they said, oh, we know about him. We expect nothing. We anticipate nothing. I can tell you all about him. In fact, you say, where are you getting that from? From Mark's gospel. Over in Mark, chapter number 6, the Bible says, beginning in verse number 1, Jesus went out from there. This is just a few years later. And Jesus went out from there, and he came into his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many listeners were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what is this wisdom given to him? And such miracles as these performed by his hands. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own hometown, and among his own relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no miracle there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered at their unbelief. And see, there's a lot of folks that are just tied to religion. And it's not about a relationship. And if that's where you are this morning, see, it's not, about, it's not even about people. It's all about the program. As long as the program's right, then I'm good. And it's not even about people. God help us understand <clears throat> what it's about. And it's all about Jesus Christ. Apathy keeps some from experiencing the joy of the Lord. Familiarity breeds contempt. And God help us not 
become so familiar with the story of Jesus that it loses its luster. I'm not impressed anymore. I've heard it, been there, done that, and it's not a big deal. When the fact of the matter is, it is a huge deal. I'm thankful for Jesus Christ, the innkeeper. What about the innkeeper? Luke chapter number 2, back to Luke and Luke's gospel. It says it like this in Luke chapter number 2. And in verse number 7, the Bible tells us that all of a sudden she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the innkeeper. And when you're talking about this innkeeper, it's interesting when you're looking at this because sometimes people will say, oh, it's, you know, it was the innkeeper and they were busy. I mean, imagine Jerusalem. Imagine the city of Bethlehem, this little tiny town of Bethlehem where people are gathering together, coming in from all over the place, and there's just not room. And there's a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of business. There's a lot of things happening. And so you got an innkeeper that's there, and you have a lady that's about to give birth. He says, we got no room. I wonder where the innkeeper slept that night. I got no room. Oh, we got something out back, but I've got no room. I'm just busy. And you know, if you're not careful, what happens is busyness will crowd out an intimate encounter with Jesus Christ. And again, he is the source of all Joy. I can be busy and still experience joy if I make time for Jesus Christ. God, help us to be still. Help us to stop. You know, Christmas season just happens to be that time of year, and although Christmas is upon us, tomorrow is the day. uh, uh, It's that time of year we just get so busy, and if we're not careful, we can be so busy that we don't stop and just spend time. Just spend time with Jesus. In fact, the Bible says over in Psalm 46, verse number 10, to cease striving, to be still. In other words, you can even be in a dark room all alone and still not still. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sitting all alone in a dark room But my mind is 100 miles away, and it's going 100 miles an hour. But to stop and to reflect and say, I just want to love on Jesus this Christmas season. And I want to encourage you to take that moment. And and, and in fact, I would even encourage you, that should be a daily walk, right? A daily time that I just have the opportunity to linger and stop with Jesus Christ. God, help us to experience again his joy this Christmas season. The angels came, and Luke chapter 2, came to the shepherds in the field. It's an interesting story when you look at Jesus Christ and his coming into this world. It's interesting that he came the way he did. Why? A little town of Bethlehem. Why? A group of angels. Uh, why a group of shepherds out in the field? You know, when you're, when you're talking about the story, it's an interesting story because I believe it is because of the reason he came into this world. When you're talking about why did he come into this world, well, the world didn't need, if the, if the world just needed the right president, 
then perhaps he would have come to Rome. If that were the answer. If they just needed somebody to educate the people, perhaps he would have been born over in the town of Athens. But you know what we needed was a Savior. And you know that the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the spotless Lamb of God who was slain from before the foundations of the world. And it was there in Bethlehem that many of the sheep that were raised to be sacrificed, it's there that Jesus came. And he came to a group of shepherds. And what an amazing lesson or lessons we learn when you're talking about sheeps and shepherds because you learn these different lessons. In fact, biblically, we're taught that, man, those that are followers of Jesus Christ, they're like sheep. And he's the shepherd. Sheep. What do you mean sheep? <clears throat> well, where do you stop? Sheep are kind of dumb. Say, I ain't dumb. Don't offend me. <laughs> sheep struggle with just following people following one another, directionless, they have a difficult time. You know, it's interesting, I, I've heard a story, and I, I don't know whether it's true or not, but it was an interesting story. I've heard that they're directionless. In other words, you can take a sheep, and you take him out there away from your home, and he won't be able to find his way back. Not like a dog. You know, I mean, sometimes you want to get rid of an old mangy mutt, and you drive him out there, and he'll beat you home. They, got, <laughs> they know how to get there. But not so with a sheep. The sheep are directionless. They need somebody. They're defenseless. They can't defend themselves. They're dependent upon the shepherd. And it was there that David, King David wrote in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. This little baby that was born in the town of Bethlehem is my shepherd. And his joy is available all but it's not automatic the bible says this in john 15 verses 10 and 11 john 15 verses 10 and 11 if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as i have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love these things i have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full if we're to experience the joy of jesus christ this christmas season Number one, you got to be saved. That's where it begins. You got to be saved to be born again. Not religious, not just coming to church, but to be saved. And so the question's got to be asked, are, are you saved this morning? Have you been born again? I'm not talking about knowing about him, but knowing him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent Jesus into this world not to condemn us, but to save us from our sin because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's our sin that separates us from God Almighty. And so Jesus shed his blood. Why? Because without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus Christ shed his blood on a cross to pay the price for your sin and my sin. I can't work my way into heaven. He did the work for me on the cross. Have you been born again? Because that's where it begins, to be born again. But even those that are born again this morning, hey, if you've never been born again, you'll never experience joy. 
But even those who are born again, who have been born again, can forfeit the joy of the Lord. How do you do that? Unconfessed sin. He says, I want you to abide in me. And I want my word to abide in you. And when we have unconfessed sin in our life, we're forfeiting the joy of the Lord. You say, it's not a big deal. <clears throat> it's already been covered. Although I would say, yes, absolutely, positionally it's been covered, but practically speaking, you can be out of fellowship with the Father because of sin. And if I'm out of fellowship with the Father, I won't experience His joy. In fact, when you're looking back <clears throat> at the Psalms, Psalm 51, Psalm 51, David was writing. And when you're talking about David, King David writing many of the Psalms, he had failed and he had fallen and he had sinned against God Almighty. And he's expressing himself in Psalm 51. And many of us can relate to exactly what he's saying. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Why? Because I feel dirty. And that's what happens in the life of a believer when we sin against God. We feel dirty. I need to be washed. I need to be clean. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with the willing spirit. Why would he say that? Because we can forfeit our joy. This morning, I know it's the day before Christmas, but are you experiencing the joy of the Lord today? Man, many are, and praise God for that. But maybe you hear this morning saying, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. Well, have you been saved? Have you been saved? If you haven't, call on his name today. Call on his name today. That's where it begins. And maybe you have. But my prayer is that God would show, hey, what am I harboring in my life that's robbing me of my joy this Christmas season? And this morning, this morning, confess it to the Father. God, I want to get this right. I want to get this right. Whatever that might be, I want to get it right. And you repent. And do you know that the Bible says that when we repent, there's times of refreshing in the presence of God. So this morning, just want to encourage you to call on his name while we may. Would you join me for a time of prayer? <clears throat> We're going to pray today, and after we pray, we'll sing a song. And after we've sung the song this morning, just want to invite you. If you're here this morning, God might have laid on your heart just something or someone in your life that you know, man, this is robbing me. then even right now, as we pray, would you confess it to Him? Oh God, search my heart. God, I want a pure heart before you today. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never been saved to be born again. And maybe the Holy Spirit of God has touched your heart and you would say, man, I want Jesus to be my Lord today. I want to call on His name we want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. We want to walk with you. And so we're going to sing a song. And as soon as the song has been sung, I want to invite you to come today. We're going to wait on you. We want to meet with you this morning.
you come today. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for this time. I thank you for loving us like you do. I thank you for Bethlehem. God, for your coming, taking on flesh. God, we know that you did that so that you could be our substitute. And we thank you for that. Thank you for the cross. Oh, God, thank you for this moment. Lord, have your way. Be glorified as we respond obediently. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.